You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-Sports.com. Today on the show, we're going to talk about this latest run Arkansas has had in recruiting with all these commitments lately. Uh, we'll talk about football getting ready to start up, some things surrounding that, some of these anonymous coaches, what they had to say about Arkansas, and we'll get into a few other things, your questions and more, all that on Hogsports Live. Well, first, before we get started, of course, there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. If you haven't followed the page yet, please do so. We're almost at 80,000 follows. We'd love to get to that number before football season starts. Also available on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to YouTube, be sure to do so and hit the notifications bell also to no- so you're notified anytime we upload a new video. If you haven't given us a thumbs up or a like on either of those channels, please do so. It certainly helps when we have more engagement on the channel. Also available on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't given us a five-star review, then do so if you like the content and available anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. Hogsports.com is just $1 right now for your first month or 30% off for your first uh, year. So do sign up for Hogsports.com if you haven't done so already. Okay, let's jump into this discussion on recruiting. Arkansas is currently ranked 30th in the country in recruiting. They were 25th right after the A.J. Green commitment. Things have things move quickly in recruiting. There's a, there's a lot of players across the country committing, uh, but uh, we also just recently released the top 247 ranking. We're going to get into some discussion of the top prospects in on that list as well. So Devin Manuel is the latest commitment to Arkansas, 6'8", 300-pounders uh, out of Louisiana, a guy that hasn't played a lot of football. Okay, hasn't played a whole lot of football, but obviously 6'8", 300. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, he, he looks, you know, he needs some coaching and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, can he do this and can he do that? I, and I can remember going back to Dan Skipper, who was 6'10", 300 or so when he was being recruited. And I asked Sam Pittman, I was like, are you worried at all about, you know, Sam, is he, or excuse me, Dan, is he, is he going to be able to bend? You know, is he going to be able to do things you want him to do? And he goes, well, Trey, if we didn't think he could bend, we wouldn't have recruited him. <laughs> so I think probably the same answer would be given uh, on manual here. But Arkansas, Alcorn State, I actually got graphics on all these guys I meant to bring up. Somebody asked me to bring up the graphics. But uh, here we go. Devin Manuel, 6'8", 300 pounds. Not just, uh, again, a guy that hasn't played a whole lot of football, a guy that's going to be more of a developmental project type, Arkansas, Alcorn State, Grambling, Houston, Indiana, Iowa State, Kansas, Louisiana, Louisiana Tech, Manise State, Michigan State's a notable offer, Nichols State, South Alabama, Southern University, Texas Southern, Tulane, UCF. Those are his offers. So uh, there's a couple of notable ones in there, Indiana, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, who offers everybody. Michigan State, of course. So that's Arkansas's latest commitment, Devin Manuel. Before that, Arkansas picked up A.J. Green. Now, A.J. is a big-time prospect, more polished, comes from a a really strong program at Tulsa Union, 5'11", 194 pounds. Danny West was up there, not this past Friday when he committed, but the Friday before. And 
We did a five-minute sit-down interview. That's for our VIP subscribers. So if you want to check out that interview, then go to hogsports.com and subscribe, and you can check out the entire interview. Just a great, great young man. Uh, also put together his commitment announcement video, and uh, so we got a lot of stuff on A.J. Green. This is a guy that could have gone just about anywhere. Now, some schools were recruiting him as a cornerback. I really love him as a running back. Uh, there's been some discussion about whether or not Arkansas should play him at running back or cornerback. First of all, I think Arkansas probably wouldn't end up with him if they recruited him from corner. But even if he would have come at cornerback, you still don't have a stud running back in the class. So you need to make sure you take care of that. You need to make sure you get a, a stud running back before you start worrying about other people playing positions. And Arkansas hasn't had a four-star running back commitment since Devois Whaley and that's been in the 2016 class, so it's been a while. Now, Rakeem Boyd probably should have been, but this guy is a 10-3-8, 100-meter dash guy. He regularly runs in the 10-5 range, 21-second uh, something, 200, blazing speed guy, okay? Uh, I think he's a good tackle breaker. I think he's a little bit thicker than people are giving him credit for. Put together very well. Arkansas, Baylor, LSU, Michigan, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, South Carolina, Texas, Texas A&M. I mean, had a, it, this is the kind of guy that could have said, hey, I want to come to your school and, uh, and would have landed an offer. Now, Oklahoma wanted him as a cornerback, and they were in, they're in on a five-star running back and another really highly regarded four-star. So maybe they would come back in on him or try to if things didn't work out with those other recruits, but they definitely wanted him just as a cornerback. I think he's a running back. I think that's what suits him best. Now, before I go much further, I want to I want to bring up the analysis. There was a recent article uh, on the prospects in the top two four seven in the top 20, uh, 24-7 uh, who committed to SEC schools, and they gave just kind of a little bio analysis. And this is from Gabe Brooks, who's our Midlands recruiting analyst on on AJ Green. Who again, I'll say this again. As far as backs reciprocating interest with Arkansas, he was my favorite one that they're in on. They also have JV on Hunt. It's pretty good, too. All right. Evaluation. Adequate build and frame for the athlete designation that could help translate to the backfield or secondary. Lean but twitched up build. Highly athletic, multi-positional prospect who shines at running back but has also been recruited by many as at corner. Has made it clear he wants to play running back in college. Owns outstanding top-end speed to translate to the backfield, and it shows on tape. Track standout with a 10-3-8-100 and a 21.46-200 on his resume. Couples good initial burst with home run, long speed. Slippery strength to run through arm tackles. Raw athleticism is outstanding, but still needs to hone position-specific technique skill. Can improve pad level consistency. Sometimes They say that about every running back. Sometimes unnecessarily bounces runs to the perimeter. Nevertheless, outstanding athlete who projects to high major level with long-term NFL draft potential. And they project one day he'll be a third-round pick. Or excuse me, a day three pick. Fourth to seventh round. So that's the rundown on A.J. Green. He's Arkansas's top-ranked commitment in the class. All right, before that, they picked up Lucas Coley. And Lucas is also a four-star. I believe ESPN has him a four-star recruit. 
on 24-7. He's a three-star. Rivals, he's a three-star. Uh, ranked in the composite, the number 646 overall prospect in the country. I know that there are other coaches who think that this guy is going to be really, really good and is dramatically undervalued. He does have some nice athleticism. He was featured in the show Friday Night Tykes, has 35 scholarship offers. Most of those, however, are from you know schools that aren't on the major college level. Uh, Virginia Tech and Arkansas, Washington State, those are the finalists that were on the Power Five level. Also, Houston was in there, which is a notable school, but Colorado State, um, Illinois, Louisville, those are probably the most notable ones. And I mentioned Virginia Tech, Washington State. Washington Kentucky also offered him. Uh, also had an offer from Yale, which, again, does things a little bit differently. But that's Lucas Coley out of Cornerstone Christian. I really like Lucas. I think that, you know, you, you picked up a guy in Malik Hornsby who is a big-time quarterback prospect last year. And it's hard to just stack, like, really highly regarded quarterback prospects back-to-back if you're Arkansas. Some schools can do it who have been doing it, you know, have been winning, like Georgia – uh, is certainly notable for picking up a lot of five-star prospects at quarterback. Uh, for Arkansas, I think they've made a good move with bringing Hornsby in, and then you bring in uh, Landon Rogers out of Little Rock Parkview and Lucas Coley. Bring in those two guys in the next class, and you I think your hope is that one of those guys pans out for you, ends up being a player. So he's out of San Antonio, Cornerstone Christian, 6'1", 203. Raheem Sanders. Raheem Sanders is a four-star on 24-7 sports. On the composite, he's the number 401-ranked prospect in the country. This is a guy that can do everything. He lines up at, I mean, just about every position. I don't know if I brought up my Lucas Coley graphic, but here's Raheem Sanders. Rockledge, Florida, lines up at defensive end, lines up at safety, wide receiver in the backfield. I mean, can do just about anything, and this is a guy with – power 6'2 210 pounds a guy that runs through tackles really good speed they call him rocket sanders they don't do that for no reason arkansas these are his offers arkansas auburn boston college cincinnati duke florida state indiana iowa state there's kansas again kentucky louisville maryland miami Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Pitt, Tennessee, Virginia, Wake Forest, West Virginia. Nice long – I, I just skipped over some of them. I just tried to spot the Power Five ones mainly. But, again, this guy can really get it. And I think I think he'll probably play wide receiver, but listed as an athlete, Arkansas is listed as an athlete. Get that guy up here. Speed, 6'2", 210, you can do a lot with that and then figure it out uh, figure it out after that. Pretty good run right there. Pretty good run in recruiting for Arkansas. Currently ranked eighth in the SEC. Right now they have commitments. We mentioned A.J. Green, Javion Hunt also, Carl Albert, Oklahoma City running back, number 395 prospect in the country. We mentioned Raheem Sanders, Terry, Terry Wells, number 430 prospect in the country. He's actually ranked higher on 24-7 spots, and I'm reading out the composite rankings, which combines rivals, ESPN 24-7, and combines them all together through some formula algorithm. Anyway, Wells is uh, – He's a four-star on 24-7 sports. Keon Parker, 
also out of Tulsa. Booker T. Washington, number 476 nationally. Cornerback Cole Carson out of uh, 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 Bogota, Texas. Rivercrest High School, 6'5", 285, number 496 overall. I mentioned Lucas Coley. Marco Avan out of Jonesboro by way of Forest City. 6'3", 212, linebacker, 798 overall. Jermaine Hamilton, Georgia. Uh, uh, Jordan out of Lincoln College Prep, Kansas City, Missouri. Number 827 overall, 6'1", 195. Safety, hybrid, outside linebacker type. Jaden Wilson out of DeSoto, Texas. Wide receiver, 6'3", 172. Number 866 prospect in the country. This is a guy that I think has a, has a good bit of upside, actually. I mentioned Devon Manuel. Devon, Devin. I think it's maybe Devon, actually. I might have said it wrong. Landon Rogers, we talked about him a little bit too. 6'4", 215-pound dual-threat quarterback out of Little Rock Park. View number 968 overall prospect. And Manuel's number 927 overall. So that's Arkansas's recruiting class right now. Now, as it stands with everything, shifting over to football now, the season coming up. We're not that far away. We're just over a month from the start of – the six weeks site, the six weeks of practice, you know, it's going to be basically walkthroughs, but uh, the NCAA has approved the football preseason model ahead of the 2020 season. And this is what they say. Assuming a first game on September 5th, the model begun begins summer ac- access activities, July 13th and adds meetings and walkthroughs on July 24th. Preseason practice begins on August 7th. Okay, just to elaborate, under the proposed model, assuming a school's first scheduled football contest on Saturday, September 5th, Arkansas plays Nevada that week, student athletes may be required to participate in in up to eight hours of weight training, conditioning, and film review per week, no more than two hours of film review per week from July 13th to the 22nd, to the 23rd. July 13th through the 23rd. So that's the period that we're in right now, okay? Then from July 24th through August 6th, student athletes may be required to participate in 20 hours of countable athletically related activities per week, no more than four hours per day. So that is the standard. That's what you're doing, you know, in season and everything, 20 hours. As follows. Up to eight hours per week for weight training and conditioning, up to six hours per week for walkthroughs, that's a big one, which may include the use of a football. That's a real big one because you can't use a football. They haven't been able to see Felipe Franks throw a football or any of the quarterbacks. Kendall Browse hasn't seen a single quarterback on Arkansas's campus throw a football in person. Yep, <laughs> that's crazy. Up to six hours per week for meetings, which may include film review, team meetings, position meetings, one-on-one meetings, et cetera, et cetera. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Actually meant to get to this first before we jumped into football. So I want to get to, this is an article by Danny West. I'm going to take a sip of my bubbly. Because this is the Arkansas targets in the top 247. So we mentioned A.J. Green, who actually moved up. So the reason they came up with this new 24-7 ranking is basically just to get a new a few players in the ranking that, you know, had been evaluated late, that they have decided, you know, needs to get ranked. And so there's, there's some small shifts. You don't see any huge moves anywhere. So I don't want anybody to think, like, how, how can they rank these guys? So it's just a couple of shifts. A.J. Green actually moved from 111 to 107. And I think that probably had to do with him moving from being listed as a cornerback to being listed as an athlete with the probability, obviously, of playing running back. Duncanville, Texas, offensive lineman Savian Bird, who's ranked number 77. Fort Valley, Georgia, Peach County, offensive lineman Terrence Ferguson is at 78 overall. Uh, Jaquela McGee actually signed from the the same class as – as Terrence Ferguson, or excuse me, the same uh, high school as Terrence Ferguson last year for Arkansas. 156 is Keetron Jackson. We've talked about him a lot. 6'2", wide receiver. Arkansas is in real good shape with him. A lot of people think Arkansas TCU. Andrew McCuba is a safety out of Austin, Texas, LBJ, who's just, who dropped from number 208 to 209. Tommy Hill, an athlete out of Orlando, Florida, Edgewater, longtime target of Sam Pittman has gone from number 217 to number 218. Terry Wells, who we mentioned, was the number 247-ranked prospect in the country, and he fell just just behind that. And Drayden Norwood, who's all – both those guys are still four-star recruits. So Drayden Norwood and, and Terry Wells from inside the state, just outside the top 247. So those are the guys that are in there. doesn't mean they'll be the only guys that are in there. Arkansas won't pick up interest with other guys. Uh, obviously, a lot of evaluation is left to be done with the way things have, have shaken out with not being able to have, you know, for colleges, evaluation period, but for, you know, places like 24-7 sports, you know, being able to go to the different camps and, you know, visit different campuses and stuff and watch kids work out, watch them do spring practice and stuff like that. So we haven't, we haven't really had that. All right, I want to get to this because this is one of the most hit articles probably we've ever had. This is by, by Clint Buckley, it's, it's, uh, and it actually came out from Athlon. Uh, it's just about anonymous coaches in the SEC speaking out about Arkansas's football program basically the last couple of years, and it's not pretty, as you would expect. And if I was an Auburn fan, I wouldn't be like, wow, okay, Chad Morris. The reason I wouldn't be is because of this one. Last year was a total mess, another anonymous coach said. They were vanilla on offense and defense the entire time Chad Morris was there. They were the worst-looking team on film in the conference, maybe in Power 5. Confused, out of place, low effort, no communication. 
I mean, that's what we all saw. That's what I saw. That's the 30% install offense Chad Morris is famous for. But they didn't fight for him. That's obvious. That's where the low effort comes from. No communication, poor coaching. Confused, poor coaching. Out of place, poor coaching. Didn't respect their coaches. Didn't work for their coaches. Didn't feel like their coaches had their backs. Didn't have their coaches' backs. Western Kentucky game's a prime example. Chad Morris has got to have it. Got to have that game to not get fired the next day. And they and it's 35-7 to 7 at halftime because they didn't give a damn about him and probably wanted him to go. You go from a coach that, you know, the players really loved in Brett Bielema to Chad Morris who immediately walks in and tells them to sit up straight in their chair and put their feet on the floor. And then it just kind of seems like it's all about Chad after that and uses the word rebuild time and time again. When he said after the Western Kentucky game that this is not an overnight rebuild, and I'm sitting there thinking, it's been two damn years, Chad. (laughs) It's not an overnight deal here. It's been two years. That just shows out of touch to me. All right, let's see what else they said. It's a total mess from top to bottom, one opposing coach said. What's the identity of this program? Are they a hard-nosed smash-mouth team? That didn't work. Are they going to beat you with the spread and, and tempo they, and use Texas kids? That didn't work. Here's another one. They landed on Sam is really – that they landed on Sam is really telling, another coach told Athlon. He's a well-respected career assistant who is great at his job – but it's hard to find out what he's got or what he can say or do with the program that could suddenly turn things around. They've got no personnel. The roster right now looks like NCAA sanctions hit them. Ouch. I don't necessarily agree with that so much. I do agree that, you know, Sam Pittman kind of fell to him. They, there was a lot of coaches who viewed this job as a career ender. Just kind of basically the way the last two coaches, I mean, the way things happened with them, you know, Brett really tailed off towards the end. You know, I think Brett was building, building, and then just quickly. And then, I mean, you can look back at that 2000 and uh, 2016 team, well, excuse me, 2014 team, and that team should have won a lot more games. Absolutely should have won more games. Um you know, you probably could have pulled out the Mississippi State game that year, the Alabama game that year. There's probably another couple in there. Uh, the 2015 team lost to Toledo. Should have beaten Toledo, obviously. Could have beaten Mississippi State also. Maybe you're a 10-win team then, you know. Maybe you – anyway. And then the next year, maybe they would have forgiven him a little bit. They lost, you know, lost Austin Allen. He got injured. Maybe they would have forgiven him a little bit and kept him on after that. But things are just – uh, just diving the wrong direction. I mean, just the way that that 2016 season ended also. I mean, that could have been another – I mean, what, they win seven games that year? They could have won nine. They could have easily won nine games that year. So, the only problem with Arkansas is you got to be a little more creative. you got to be a good evaluator. you got to put more emphasis on recruiting. Arkansas is one of the top spenders in recruiting in the entire country, for those who don't know. Uh, you got to reach a little bit farther to get your recruits. Everything else at Arkansas, facilities, fan support, all of that stuff is top-notch. Conference, everything.
Every SEC team's longest conference winning streak. Arkansas has a winning streak. Believe it or not, it's on the line this week. Or excuse me, this year. Arkansas has beat Tennessee two times in a row. Yes, it's an Eastern team. They haven't played them the last couple of years. So Arkansas has been t- beaten Tennessee two two times in a row. There's some really interesting ones in here. Uh, Florida has six wins over Vanderbilt straight. Georgia has ten straight wins over Kentucky. Kentucky has five straight wins over Missouri. Missouri has six straight wins over Ole Miss. South Carolina has 11 straight wins over Vanderbilt. Tennessee has two straight wins over Kentucky. This is each each team's longest. Vanderbilt has one win over Missouri and Arkansas. So Vanderbilt's the only team on here, I guess, that doesn't have a streak going. Alabama has 13 straight wins over Tennessee, a huge rival. Arkansas, of course, two wins over Tennessee. Auburn, eight wins straight over South Carolina. LSU, straight eight straight wins over Vanderbilt. Ole Miss, two straight wins over Arkansas. Mississippi State, three straight wins over Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Texas A&M, eight straight wins against Arkansas. You know, Alabama's probably got a lot of them. They have beaten Arkansas, I can't countless amount of times. 12 times, something like that. They might not be counting one because they had to forfeit one of them. So the Texas governor says stadium capacity unlikely to top 50%. Greg Abbott, this was just recently. So he says that, and then Jimbo Fisher comes in. Jimbo Fisher comes in yesterday, and this is, here's what he said. I'm very encouraged because our governor's opened up outside sports to 50%. <laughs> I, I, try to, I try to do a Jimbo. I think by the time and as much as we know about the virus and the different things going on, I expect it to be pretty close to normal. All right, that's about as good as I can do on my Jimbo Fisher. Anyway, he says it, he says he expects it to be about 75% or more. I don't understand the big difference in having it full versus 50% if this thing travels, you know, six feet plus in the air. What's the big difference? I mean, if it's 50%, you know, you may not be sitting right next to somebody. You're going to have somebody right behind you. I mean, if you're, you're going to say, like, we need to have social distancing in the stadium, then you've got to knock it down to, like, at least a third or maybe less. I mean, otherwise, just fill it up. The only reason I think it would be at 75% or 50% is because there are a large portion of fans that feel unsafe about it and don't want to come to the game, particularly, you know, the elderly, people with underlying conditions, but also other people. I've got a friend who's completely healthy, and he has not been anywhere but his house and his office, which he doesn't let anybody else in his office. He's a lawyer. But he hasn't been anywhere. He hasn't been to a grocery store. Everything's been delivered. So there are plenty of people out there who are diehard Razorback fans who would normally go to the games who just aren't going to go. A little bit of shakeup on the SEC Nation for those who watch. I kind of flip back and forth. You know, when I'm not traveling anyway, and watch SEC Nation, watch College Game Day. But Paul Feinbaum no longer going to be on there. And I think part of that – sorry about that. I think part of that is Paul Feinbaum is everywhere. I mean, he's, he's everywhere, right? He's on radio every day, on TV, radio, whatever you want to call it, his show every day. 
and plus traveling for all that. So I think that's so what they're and Marcus Spears is going to be involved with the program or with ESPN, but he's also leaving SEC Nation. So you have Tim Tebow, Jordan Rogers is jumping in there. Laura Rutledge also looks to return as well. I believe she took maternity leave or something like that. Um, so uh, Jordan Rogers, Tim Tebow, Laura Rutledge. I'm not sure. That's three. They've usually had four on there, so I'm not sure who else would be on there. So a little shakeup for SEC Nation. And finally, two Razorback legends placed on the Hall of Fame um, ballot. So that doesn't mean they're in, they're just on the ballot. And it's Brandon Burlesworth, who I believe Brandon's been on there before, and I think Dan Hampton has too. So maybe they'll get in this time, hopefully. Hold on. Hi, honey. Okay, just watch a show or something. <laughs> honey, I'm in the middle of a live show. Okay, just watch, just watch TV then, okay? Thank you, honey. So this is a product of coronavirus. All the kids are at home and not at camp. <laughs> She's supposed to be working on piano and practicing her Spanish and reading a book. So her iPod, her iPad has uh, has died. Sorry about that. <laughs> She's been blowing me up trying to get me to answer, but uh, my wife is at work, so we're home alone together. All right. So I want to go ahead and jump into your questions. Aaron Wayne Moore says, looking good, Trey. Did you lose some weight while the others gained? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'm about the same. I don't know. Maybe naturally. I've gotten a little bit of sun because I have been outside staying in the deck. That may be it. You look a little trimmer when you get some sun. But uh, we've been staying in the deck. Me and my wife, good working together outside. Trey, hope life is treating you right. Yeah, it is. It is. And by the way, speaking of, of that, we've got some big news coming pretty soon on the side on Hog Sports. As some of you know, we have been looking for uh, a new person to join us on hogsports.com, and we're very close to that. Uh, I conducted about a dozen interviews. We had approximately 40 people apply for the position, and from that we trimmed the list down. You know, based on journalism experience and resume background, you know, journalism background and things like that. And there were a lot of people out there, you know, who are interested in getting into the business and seem like they could, you know, possibly work. But uh, we were looking for this particular position, somebody with, you know, a strong journalism background, somebody with a strong sports athletic background as well. And uh, we've been narrowing it down, but we're pretty close to that. And I'm real excited because we've had uh, – really overall top to bottom, like some really talented people and some really good youngsters, you know, coming out also, uh, I have to tell, I have to tell no. So I haven't really, I've had to do that, but definitely the best candidate pool that I've had so far. I don't know if that's a result of, of coronavirus, more people looking for jobs or what, but uh, it's been, it's been a good, really strong candidate pool uh, this time around. Aaron Wayne Moyer says, secondly, man, what player currently on the team do you see breaking out this year on offense, one on offense and one on defense? Okay. Breakout player on offense. 
I mean, does Traylon Burks count? I mean, if you're saying like – because Traylon didn't have a touchdown last year. He had like 30 catches or something. But I might put him up there. I'm going to go – I'll go – here's what I'll do. I, on this question, I will answer guys that, you know, weren't starters last year. And on offense, I'm going to go with HUD. I'm going to go with Hudson Henry uh, just because he was so highly regarded. He got off – you know, he got sick, he, you know, starting the season – so I think Hudson Henry could be a real weapon for them this year. They're not particularly deep at tight end, so he's going to be on the field a lot. I'll go with him on offense. Honorable mention nod maybe to Traylon Smith. And on defense, I'm going to go with Jalen Catalan. I think he'll start next year, uh, this coming season. So I will go with Jalen Catalan, and then maybe I'll throw an honorable mention nod to – How about Devin Bush? So two secondary guys. Jonathan Marshall could too. I mean, Jonathan Marshall didn't start, so you might consider him up there. Justin Eric Cunningham says, how hard is it to grade an offensive lineman? How do they come up with the star grade for linemen? Well, I mean, we've got guys that have been doing it for years. And, I mean, first of all, obviously you got to have the right size. And then it's about athleticism. And – People say what they want about this, but when I look at an offensive line, I start down at their feet and then, you know, pan my way up. I look for guys with thin ankles, high calves, um, guys that aren't knock-kneed, guys that can bend, guys with long arms, long torsos, shorter legs. So it's, it's a lot of it's just like how you're built, how you're put together, and, you know, it starts with size. And then there's, you know, watching on video, you can see guys pummeling people, you know, driving people, um, people who finish blocks. Those, that's what you look for. Drew Stout says, what is your way too early prediction on what Sam Pittman will be remembered for as the head coach at the University of Arkansas? Hopefully making Arkansas proud again. That would be, that would be my hope. And, but I really think that we, we're going to see a guy who is going to rally this team around him. We're going to see maybe a team that starts to feel more like a team. Now it may not, it may not be right off the bat. I do think they'll win more than two games next year. I think they'll win an SEC game, but I think what we'll see is a team that starts showing some fight again. So that's, that's probably what I would, I would say, like the guy that, got them back together and, and at least made them start looking like a team. It's way too early to say he's going to, like, take them up to another notch, another level. But I do think that they'll have, you know, at least Arkansas fans feeling like, okay, got a shot this weekend. Not they're just going to lay down and let it happen. Larry Bateman says, how do some schools have so many commitments already, like Tennessee, along with others already reaching their total allotment? Tennessee is a bit of an outlier. Arkansas is pretty much on pace with most schools in the SEC, but Tennessee has more, I think, than anybody in the country. Don't know how they've had so many, but it's possible. You know, they did finish strong despite – Let's. I got to bring up Tennessee's schedule to answer this question. All right, so this is how Tennessee fed, schedule, uh, Tennessee finished last year, and I think there's a lot of people who look at it it's like, wow, Tennessee finished strong. They're trending up. I'm not saying they're not necessarily, okay, but they finished 8-5 and five overall, okay? This was the end of their – this is how 
This is how things started out. They lost to Georgia State, opener. They lost to BYU, second game. They clobbered Chattanooga 45-0. They got, they got clobbered by Florida. So they're starting out here. They lost to Georgia 43-14. So they're starting out here one and four. They look like the team that's going to fire their head coach. Then they beat Mississippi State. They played okay against Alabama, 35-13 loss. I mean, most standards it's not okay, but against Alabama it probably is. And then they beat South Carolina in Knoxville. Then they beat UAB in Knoxville. Then they edged Kentucky 17-13 in Lexington. Then they beat Missouri 24-20. Then they beat Vanderbilt 28-10. And then they beat Indiana in the bowl game 23-22. So this is their closeout schedule where they went on their run. One, two, three, four, five, six games to finish out the season. Six wins. South Carolina. I don't think South Carolina went to a bowl game. or did. They? I don't think they did. UAB, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt. Indiana. I mean, nothing against those teams, but guys, there's not a juggernaut there. There's not anything close to a juggernaut there. So I think that aspect of it combined with, uh, you know, being in Tennessee, having, you know, the coaching staff is going into the third year. So they do have some familiarity with players. Those players have come in and seen that coaching staff before. So I think that's probably uh, has a lot to do with, uh, why Tennessee has had so many commitments so far. In Arkansas, what are they at, 12, I think? So that's a good number. That's about where Arkansas traditionally is. And so I think that Arkansas is doing a pretty good job considering everything around it. I mean, with being a new coaching staff, taking over a back-to-back two-win team, you know, having a coach that really is a strong recruiter, known for that, known for building personal relationships, and you lose a little bit of that by not being able to get them on campus. Jared Eubank says, how big do you think our O-line is now? It's a good question. I would be surprised if anybody is under 300 pounds. Maybe Clary. Clary played about 285 last year. Uh, I know Stromberg's over 300. I know Cunningham's over 300. The left guard, no matter who that is, is going to be over 300. And right tackle, Noah Gatlin, who I think it'll be, is already over 300. And so is Dalton Wagner. So, if I had to guess what they would average, I would say probably maybe like 310, 305, 310, something like that across the board. Versus last year you went 285 at left tackle, 305 at left guard, 285 at center, 276 at right guard, and 300 at right tackle. One of the one of the lighter offensive lines in Power 5 football. Donnie A. Butt says AJ's video was awesome. Yeah, if you haven't watched AJ Green's highlight video or Raheem Sanders, either of those guys, do yourself a favor. Keith Grayson says Steve Slayton's clone. I love that comparison. I think we talked about that a little bit the other day. I had went and had a beer with uh, with Keith when he was in town. He lives in he lives in Phoenix. Um, but when I had a, a beer with Keith, we talked some football and stuff at uh, JJ's. But uh, Steve Slayton and Pat White. Like Malik Hornsby can be a Pat White type of guy, and A.J. Green can be a Steve Slayton. That's some speed in the backfield. That's who I love to compare him to. That's the, that's the high-end comparison right there. Daniel Poole says, Stuttgart has a massive lineman, and I know Coach Pittman would love to have Tariq Avery, 6'3", 320. Lance Beard says, yeah, I remember that people were excited about Chad Morris recruits too. Well, Chad Morris has recruited well, Lance. 
Like nobody's on here saying Chad Morris didn't recruit well. They brought in the highest ranked recruiting class in Arkansas history when you consider the total points. Now, it was a weird year, so the class only ended up being ranked 23rd, okay? Um, but, like, his recruits have not been on campus but for two years, Lance. So you have to obviously consider that, right? I mean, but look at it. I mean, nobody – you will never – like, I will criticize Chad Morris up and down for the way he coached his football team. You will never hear me criticize his recruiting effort. They did an outstanding job, and largely on the shoulders of guys like Jeff Trailer, largely on the shoulders of guys like um, Justin Stepp, Barry Lunny Jr. Those guys really killed it in recruiting, really did. Now, there are plenty of others who didn't. I mean, John Chavis, I don't know if John Chavis got anybody. But, yeah, remember that people were excited about Chad Morris's recruits too. I'm still excited about Chad Morris's recruits, Lance. I think you should be too. Steve Miller says, I'm here. Mike Miller says, I'm here. Brandon Holly says, any updates on tight end recruiting? Yeah, let me see if I can give you one. Danny has a crystal ball that he just put in fairly recently. Let me see if I can find him. Dax Courtney, unranked, unrated, out of DeWitt, Arkansas. 2022 class. A little early to be ranked in the 2022 class. But he has offers from Arkansas, Arkansas State, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State. Anybody else? Memphis, North Texas, TCU, UT San Antonio. Barry Lunny trying to get him. 6'6", 210 pounds out of DeWitt. Class of 2022 again. They do need to recruit. I mean, they do need tight ends in this class, I think, in this 2021 class. Justin Eric Cunningham says, with having Barry Odom as our D coach, do you think we have a greater chance of beating Missouri since he knows the talent they have? I certainly like our, I certainly like Arkansas's chances better with him. Absolutely, knowing their personnel, you know, it's you know, there's a high level of motivation. Randall Files says, what do you make of the anonymous coach contents in Arkansas not having much talent? I agree that they were vanilla and uninspired, but I, I see talent on this team. There's more talent on this team. I've said this before, but, like, take the Western Kentucky game. Do you think any kid who ever grew up in Bowling Green rooting on Western Kentucky his whole life, when it comes to making a decision, he's got an offer from Western Kentucky, he's got an offer from Arkansas, that kid's picking Arkansas 100% of the time. Western Kentucky's not beaten Arkansas for a single recruit ever. Neither is North Texas, neither is Colorado State, neither is Portland State, neither is San Jose State. That's coaching. And I've said this before, people say stuff like, it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. That's something that bad coaches say. It's half and half. It's half and half. There are plenty of teams with loaded rosters that suck. There are plenty of teams out there that weigh – achieve beyond the level that they should achieve at based on the recruits that they bring and the talent they bring in. Look at TCU. Look at what Baylor was doing last year. There are plenty of teams. Look at Boise State has done over the years. Plenty of teams, and it comes down to coaches. Same coaches like Matt Rule goes and wins at Temple and then goes over to Baylor and wins. The same coaches, Urban Meyer, 
wins national champ. I know it's Ohio State and Florida, but still, there's a lot of coaches out there that are at programs that have the ability to be a national power and aren't. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes, and it's about the X's and the O's. That should be the statement. There is better talent on this team. And it's going to help having quarterback. I mean, having terrible quarterback play. I mean, the amount of, think about the number of quarterbacks that Arkansas has brought in over the last few years. It is staggering. And they haven't had a single one of them pan out. And Connor Nolan left, Connor Nolan left. But, I mean, it's staggering the amount of quarterbacks that have come into Arkansas and just haven't been very good. And, you know, there's still a future ahead for K.J. Jefferson, obviously, Millie Cornsby. So, and, of course, um, Felipe Franks coming in with one and maybe two years to play. No news, Larry Brown on the assistant basketball coach right now. Lance Walker says the fact that Sam Pittman is liked by the players is worth a couple of wins, in my opinion. They'll play harder for him than someone as obnoxious as Chad Morris. I pointed out before, guys, you look at the way that the Sam Pittman era ended. Um, they actually fought back in that Ole Miss game. I mean, they were getting stomped against Ole Miss and battled back. You don't do that for a coach that you love. or for, Excuse me. You don't do that for a coach that you don't love. Uh, the Coastal Carolina game is another example. And look at the way they almost beat Mississippi State and almost beat Missouri in the last two games. Almost did it. You think they would have fought like that for Chad Morris? Absolutely not. So it does matter. It does matter. The players have to know the coach has their back. And if not, then they've got to absolutely believe that the coach is going to take them to the promised land, which they have with Bobby Petrino because they, they did not like Bobby Petrino. Which SEC team do you think has the worst tradition? Mississippi State Cowboys example. The worst tradition? Oh, like that particular thing. You know, the Cowboys are extremely annoying. When I go to Starkville, I have to wear earplugs. I don't want to wear earplugs for four hours. Nobody does. But you got to wear earplugs. Yay, fun. It's, I, I'm not a fan. However, for their particular fans, I totally get it. Okay, it's their tradition, yada, yada. I get, I get it. It means a lot to them. And I will say they do a good job tell, making sure the fans know when to stop. And that wasn't always the case, but, you know, they've got a sign that says, I think it says yell, no bell, or no bell, yell, one or the other. But, you know, and they do a pretty good job at, at adhering to that because I think they know it gets taken away if, the, if they don't. As far as another tradition, I mean – I wouldn't say Rocky Top's a bad one. It just gets annoying because it's constant. The cowbell's up there. That's probably about it. Oh, Arkansas's added tradition. I think they've got rid of the uh, walk through the A, which just like how can we how can we calm things down right before kickoff here? How can we get things to just settle down? Everybody take a seat and calm down. We're going to kick things off here. We're going to have these donors walk through. And no disrespect to the donors. No disrespect to them. It's not the time right before kickoff to quiet everything down. Let's welcome the family. Everybody come along. So I hate it. That's probably the worst one, actually. <laughs> not that it's a tradition, but it's a tradition started under Jeff Long. Derek Bird says, let's say open it up. Game stadium's full capacity. And if you're worried about COVID, don't go. 
I'd go if standing room only. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, if you're healthy, you feel confident about it, you're not worried about it, then maybe it's your choice and you should go. Um, I don't think you probably are going to have to put restrictions on how many people can go into a stadium. You might have to put a restriction some kind of way spreading out a little bit, but I don't think you're going to have capacity. Uh, You're going to have too many people that don't want to go for health reasons or they're just uh, afraid of getting the virus. But again, I've said this before, this whole thing while we quarantine, self-isolated, all that stuff is to flatten the curve so it doesn't go like this and hospitals are overwhelmed. You want it to go like drawn out, slow, that's what you want. Keep the hospitals not from being overwhelmed so they have the equipment and everything that they need. But it's going to go through, and then hopefully enough people get it, get immune to it. There's a herd immunity aspect, which makes it difficult to spread. You know, there's a lot of stuff also about surfaces. not, And there was some confusion on the World Health Organization, but like uh, people are asymptomatic not spreading and not being as likely to spread it. I don't know exactly what that is, uh, which is, I think is a, is a fairly big deal depending on the percentage. And then, you know, the surface is not being as big a deal, obviously still wash your hands and all that stuff, but um, really person to person contact is how this is, is spreading. So everybody stay safe in Fayetteville. You can't go out now. They just passed an ordinance. You, if you'll get a, you'll get a fine if you are in public without a mask on in Fayetteville, because there has been a bit of a spike here. And it tied in, some of it's tied into more testing, but the uh, percentage numbers are uh, people who are tested is up also. That also some of that goes into, I think, you know, um, not maybe not testing enough people still, even though the, even though it's up. Justin Eric Cunningham says, or David Ballard says, does it look like the season will start on time? Right now, everything's geared towards that happening, yeah. Justin Eric Cunningham says, also, do you think you'll be able to do the walk and talks this season? I look forward to those. Absolutely. They may not be as entertaining because I was so frustrated with Chad Morris and John Chavis and stuff last year that I think people like to see the anger. (laughs) But hopefully I won't be as angry this year. Keith Graydon says, I never heard back on my resume submission. Yeah. Sorry, Keith. Will Kidd says, do you think the personnel is really that bad? I feel like we – I think I, I pretty much answered that, Will. I hope I did. If I didn't, just reply back. Jameson Roberts says, best barbecue you have ever ate? Um, probably Central Barbecue in Memphis. Tyler Tober says, based on the wording and the quotes from the anonymous coaches, do you have any idea of who they may have been? No, I don't. I would assume that probably assistant coaches, not head coaches. Jared Eubank says, how is Tennessee getting all these recruits? I think we explained that. Byron Malone says, do you think this year's team will be more together? Good communication seem to all be on the same page. I think they will, yes, I do. Uh, and I think, again, I think I've mentioned why those things. If you look at the hog roster, says Rick Taylor, does it still resemble one that looks like we've been through NCA sanctions? I thought that was maybe a little bit harsh. Again, you know, I pointed to some of the things. They should have been able to beat some of those teams. Bill Taylor says, wow, he's not peddling garbage today. Oh, well, tomorrow's another day. Drive time sports is ruining his integrity. Integrity? Integrity. I'm not sure what you what you mean, Bill Taylor. But I don't like you. And I might block you. Rick Taylor says, Trey Biddy, surely you say that with tongue in cheek. I'm not sure what I said. 
Michael Kevin Matheny says, go Hogs. Can't wait for the season to start. Chuck Carter says, what's the update with the new OL player who chose the Hogs yesterday? We went over that at the start. Joshua Shiver says, Trey, in your opinion, what does a successful first year look like for Pittman? I think if they can get to five wins, winning an SEC game, maybe even two. Uh, but I think, first of all, getting that SEC game getting some momentum. And that's something I said. I always said about Chad. You know, he talked about it's not an overnight rebuild, rebuild, all this stuff. But you have to have a push. You have to have the momentum going in the right direction, and they didn't have that with, with him. So I think that sense, that feeling, when everything's said and done, that, hey, after, you know, after the 2020 season, like, you know, they might, they might do something in 2021. They might get to a bowl game. They definitely have some momentum behind them. This t- this is looking like a team. I think that looks like success to me. Joel Steele says, how about some, some future basketball players? Uh, well, they just got Justin Smith. I mean, that was a big one out of Indiana. They've got three grad transfers in this one. Um, but I think, Joel, you might be pleased with some of the basketball stuff that we have coming up in the future on Hog Sports. Nathan Espinoza says, it's not that we enjoyed the post-game anger, but it allowed us to vent. Yeah, I, I, it, some people have said like I was channeling Razorback fans. I kind of felt like that maybe too. Zach Freeman says, finally got me on the two, two months for $1. Thanks for the great content, Woo Pig Suey. Appreciate you, Zach. Appreciate everybody who signed up for that uh, two for one. Thanks for the content, man. You're appreciated. Rick uh, says, Justin Eric Cunningham. Rick Taylor says, bragging on Morris' recruitment. Oh, no, Morris' recruitment was strong. I mean, they there were 15 guys in that class who were a four-star recruit by at least one recruiting service. I think 12 on 24-7 Sports Composite. That has never happened at Arkansas before. That is not tongue-in-cheek. I mean, look at what they did with wide receiver recruiting, getting Traylon Burks, getting Trey Knox. TQ Jackson has left the team, but he was also a four-star recruit. Um uh, Shamar Nash was also a four-star recruit at wide receiver. Look at the defensive line. They lost Colin Clay, who was uh, a four-star. Who I, Colin Clay was a good-looking player. That was a, that one when stung. Um, but Matteo Soli, Eric Gregory, these are these are all four-star recruits. Zach Williams, another four-star recruit. Um, they did they did really strong. Hudson Henry. I mean, he could have easily went to Stanford. He did recruit well. I don't understand why anybody would think I would say that tongue-in-cheek. That's the one thing that Chad Morris has that he did well. And, again, it wasn't all Chad Morris, but he did, you know, as far as putting an organ. He wasn't very organized. You know, I think he was the kind of guy that, like, preached organization but didn't really do it himself. But on recruiting, I mean, they met about recruiting time and time again. They also hired um, – a really strong staff. You know, they've got Joshua Thompson, who, who they kept. And that was one thing I said, like, keep the recruiting staff. They kept Joshua Thompson. Um, you know, Maddie pulled some of the other people on the recruiting staff. Uh, Cody Vincent's another one um, who does the, you know, who does most of the graphic stuff. So they kept all those people on staff, which I thought was smart by Sam Pittman. But it was also a lot of Justin Stepp, a lot of, of uh, Jeff Trailer, a lot of Barry Lunny. Marcus Washington, I tell you, who didn't recruit well, and that's John Chavis, um, uh, this, Ron Cooper, Mark Smith did a pretty good job, but Chavis, Ron Cooper, I mean, what did they do? Marcus Washington says, "How does Little Rock and Pine Bluff return to a recruiting hotbed?" Little Rock's turning now. You look at what Little Rock Parkview is starting to turn out. 
Um, uh, Joe T. Robinson, PA has been there. Pine Bluff is not lately, though. Pine Bluff used to be. You could always kind of – there was always a guy in Pine Bluff, you know. Joshua Siver says, A.J. Green next Felix Jones, question mark. Maybe faster than Felix. Possibly. Another guy out of, out of Tulsa area. Bush Joyner says, compare Arkansas personnel with the two Mississippi schools. That's tough. I think I think from a personnel standpoint, you might give the edge to the Mississippi schools. I would maybe give Ole Miss a, a slight edge in, uh, in overall talent versus Arkansas. But it's not that far off. It's I mean, you'd almost just say it's it's about the same, believe it or not. I give maybe those two schools a slight edge right now. Marquan Marquan de, de Sorrell says, but Morris did what? Question mark win two games a season. I mean, nobody's again, like you guys are equating two different things I'm saying and putting them together. Morris, that staff did a great job at recruiting a better job than any staff that I can remember at Arkansas recruiting. That's real. He sucked as a football coach on the field. These are two different things. Recruited very well, sucked as a coach. Two things. Rick Taylor says, Trey, don't you know they felt dumped? Rick Taylor says his absence hurts everything. Steve Welton says some have Arkansas finishing last in the SEC West this year. I disagree with that. Your thoughts? I think I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility they could finish last. Uh, I think Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, any one of those, but strong chance it's Arkansas, unfortunately. Tyler Tober says, what does Mark Smith do now? Saw on Twitter he's still in NWA. I'm not sure if he's caught on anywhere. To be honest, Rick Taylor says he, hey, he's not here anymore. I apologize. I'm not sure. Anyway, of course, I want to remind everybody there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live, of course. Uh, be sure to give us a thumbs up and follow the page if you haven't done so already. Also available on YouTube. Throw us a thumbs up there, a like if you like that video, and also subscribe to the channel. Hit the notifications bell so you know anytime we upload a new video. If you haven't thrown us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and you like our content, we'd love to have that from you. We'd also love you to maybe take a minute and and write something so others know what to expect. We want anybody who's searching for Arkansas Razorback content, whether it's on video or on podcast, to see Hog Sports Live pop up to the top of their list. So if you like our content, uh, then do that, and it helps get get our message out there. Also, um, if you want to share the content, we'd love to have you do that. Grassroots it for us. Also available on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. Again, hogsports.com is $1 for your first month or 30% off for your first year. So sign up if you haven't done so already. Promise you're going to like what you see, and football is near. All right, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you for your questions. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time.